0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 131.
1: 131.
0: Yep. We're still, gosh, you know what? We're almost halfway through the year, which is crazy. It is. It
1: is. That yeah. it, it, It's nuts. This year, just like 2020, has been both like long and short at the same time. I don't right. know. Right. Right. Yes. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm excited. These are such good episodes every I don't know every time we speak with your sister everybody like feels oh yeah all warm and fuzzy but yes. yeah today we are welcomed we're welcoming Courtney and Becca we're joined by these two amazing women and super happy to have them Becca you have not heard on our podcast before because she's um she's in the community she doesn't have a mm-hmm. mask her mom has a mask so she's super super um supportive and active yes. and all of those good things yeah yes and you can find both of them you can find Becca at you keep me smiling on Instagram she's super very like I said very active there yes
1: and it's myelin so like myelin <laughs> s-m-y-e-l-i-n so you keep yeah. me smiling
0: so clever I love the names that people have like our name is so clever I think mm-hmm. and other
1: things. yeah yeah. And then
0: Courtney, you can find at I underscore am underscore Courtney Claire, right? Did yes. I get
1: it right? Okay. Yep. So yeah, so today, so this is chapter two of our new intimacy series, yeah. and, or I'll say our latest intimacy series. And today we're going to be focusing on family and how family represents an intimate relationship when you have MS. So, yeah, enjoy the episode.
0: Welcome to season four of the Myelin and Melanin Podcast. I'm Dawn,
1: and I'm Dana. We are two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between.
0: You can find us on the web at mylanandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Mylan Melanin. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Hi, Becca. Thanks Hi. for joining us today. Thanks
1: for having me. We're so happy to have you.
0: So can you share a bit about your affiliation or association with MS and tell us about that story?
2: Yeah, so my mom Faith, she has MS. She was officially diagnosed in 1999, but she she feels like she had it probably a good 10 years before that just based on like symptoms and things that she was feeling um it took her a long time to get diagnosed because back then doctors were like oh it's just in your head it's Mm postpartum it's stress it's a female issue like nobody believed her you know for I'm sure a lot of people in the community go through that process Mm -hmm. um and then she finally found a doctor who was like no like this is this is what it is um so she had it you know growing up like I didn't really understand what she was going through and then it you know, over the years it progressed and I learned what it was and, you know, just became involved in that process with her.
0: I find it fascinating that doctors don't believe women. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's just, uh,
2: thing, honestly, it is. you know, like we, like, I understand, like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know like the science behind everything, but I also know my own body. So for yep. you to sit there and be like, well, it's not this, well, you don't live in my body. So how do you know that? You know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have monthly fluctuations and change hormonal changes and right. all of that. It's not steady. So we know we're in tune. Like we right. know the right. difference we know between, right. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It happens to a lot of us. <laughs> right.
2: And I mean, she still experiences it to this day. We've just in the last couple of years, have recently she's been through a couple different misdiagnoses of Dr. telling her she had Parkinson's and um, early onset dementia, and, and none of that was true. But it's like, right. you know, like she's twenty, you know, twenty plus years into this diagnosis, she's still going through that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you had mentioned when you were younger, you know, you really didn't get you didn't get it you know of course you're young what are you you know what are you going to get um when do you think it started kind of coming together for you like really a realization okay this is the thing and gotta deal with it
2: I think as her disease progressed she Mm -hmm. started going to the doctors more and then um we've just always been very honest with each other Mm-hmm. Like, that's like the biggest thing in our relationship. Like we tell each other everything, like the mm-hmm. smallest things, to the biggest things, the silliest mm-hmm. things. Like we've done that since day one, since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So I think like around maybe like 18 ish, like I started, like when she started going to the doctors and that more, like she just told me, you know, she was up front, you know? Um, And she's, she's a three-time cancer survivor too. So wow. even with... MS, she was doing that stuff. So just the more that she went to the doctors, you know, I knew about more things and, and right. we were honest with each other. You know, she didn't hold anything back for me because, you know, at the end of the day, like it, like it affects me too. And she's my mom. Right. She's not going to hold that stuff back for me. Right. That is
0: so beautiful. What you just said, it affects oh. me too.
3: Thank
0: and you. I, I think a lot of people, a lot of care partners or spouses or partners, whatever the word you would like to use, but it, I don't know if people understand that family members too, you know, it's, it's not just the person with MS. It's not just their disease. It's like, if you're in it, you're in it for the long haul and it's all of us in this.
2: I don't, yeah, you hit the nail right on that. I don't think whether it's family or, or friends or coworkers, I don't think a lot of people understand like, mm-hmm. that, yes, it, it it is a person going through the disease. And um, that's a very, very, very big part of it. But it's the people around them, it, you know, it, it affects everybody and every fiber of your life, every relationship yes. of your life. So why not be honest and vulnerable about those things? Because It's just gonna. I think it's just gonna enhance those relationships even more. Yes,
0: for sure. I think for me, sometimes I have had MS since two thousand, and uh, well, that's when I was officially diagnosed. But um, I tend to hold off on talking about it with people. Mm -hmm. I gotta like, and this is with even you know close family members or close people. I I have to feel them out, and so I think it goes both ways, you know, on the care partner and on the person, the individual who has MS. It's like, you have to be vulnerable. Like you said, you have to be open. You have to be honest. And in order for it to, for you to have a better quality of life, honestly, because they can help you. Right. And, and like, sometimes it's overwhelming for me. It's like, you really want to help me? Like you really, it's right. And and it's, it's your mom or your, your brother or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, you really care that much. It's hard to believe because it's such a tremendous burden on us. I think think my mom would
2: agree with you in that. Like she's Mm -hmm. a very, very strong-willed and independent woman. And Mm -hmm. I think especially like asking for help is, is a big challenge for her. And I like having to rely on somebody is, is not something I'm mean, sure it's not something anybody wants, but like specifically like her, like, and I know like when she lost her job, um, and she had to go on disability, like, it, I, I remember her saying like, what is my purpose now? You know, like, what am yes. I going to do? And, and mm-hmm. like, I had to step up and help in like other ways that I hadn't before. And, and just, I understand what you're saying about like asking for help. It's, it's hard to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're dealing so with so much
2: right yeah. so if you if you can ask for help.
1: Yes. Yes. We see on your social media, you know, you're very involved in the MS community and mm-hmm. you are very involved in um your mother's MS journey. Mm-hmm. Um how do you as somebody who is a family member, a care partner um, with your mom and her MS, how do you, um, and this isn't something that we really have the opportunity a lot of times to ask care partners, but how do you, I don't even know how to formulate this. I don't want to say treat her, but how do you let her know that she's not a burden? You know what I mean? Because that is something that, in you know, I'll speak for Dawn too, you know, we feel like, you know, when we ask for help, like, oh, this is one more thing that, you know, somebody has to do. How do you approach it? Um, Because obviously it's your mother. It's not a burden. You want to help her, right. all of those things. But how do you approach the situation?
2: I mean, I guess going back to the communication thing, like hmm. we're, we're super, super honest with each other. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing that we don't talk about. So if she needs something, whether it's money, like, cause financial mm-hmm. situations are, mm-hmm. are present in being a caregiver, you know, whether it's paying for a doctor's visit or prescriptions mm-hmm. or doing housework or just yeah. letting her sit with her feelings. If she wants to, you know, mm-hmm. cry or vent or be mad or, you know, scream or whatever she needs to do, like, I'm there for her, you know, and I I don't I don't I don't speak to her in a in a manner that demeans her
1: Mm, or mm
2: -hmm. puts her down or makes her feel like a like whatever she needs, I'm there. So if it's emotional, it's financial, it's physical help, all those things, it's it's whatever she needs at the moment, you know. We kind of like we kind of know like each other like well enough to know like what each other needs at that time right so I can kind of read her and feel her out and and see like okay like I need just to be just to sit here and listen to her not say right. you, like, on other situations where it's like okay let me hold your hand and and you know give you a kiss and you know whatever yeah. it is you know we kind of feel each other out in, in the situation but if, I don't know if that makes sense yeah no it makes
0: perfect it makes sense. sense. Mm-hmm. So your mom was diagnosed, how old were you? Were you like just a baby or like four years old or something like that? Um, I was like 99. So I was like 12, 14 at the
2: time. Okay.
0: Okay. So old enough to understand that, oh, my mom is changing a little. Right. But not completely aware of what this neurological disease was. Yes.
2: Right, yeah, like I had no idea what, what MS meant
0: what it Mm -hmm. is right right yeah I always say that kids who grow up around MS seem to be some of the most compassionate adults as they age and yeah and people who understand like my son we were I don't know where we were going but somewhere um, and he saw someone in a wheelchair and Mm -hmm. the door was super heavy and for whatever reason the handicap button wasn't opening or it just I don't know it was stuck or something Mm. and so he rushed to go open the door and hold it for the person and I'm like wow you know and he's he's 10 but you you can't teach like you can show them you know what I mean but you can't like they don't just they're not born knowing you know this and so I think he understood you know from my experience like wow that's really nice of you to do that (laughs) so yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: and I think on the intimacy topic, I think it definitely builds over time and, and develops and, and is really strong because like, like you were saying how you and your mom are really close. I feel like I'm super close with my son too. You, you have that openness and you have to tell them, look, I'm having a really, you know, rough day today, or I, I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not feeling well. like you have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to be open and not be super woman, you know?
1: Right. right. And that's hard.
0: Very.
2: Yeah, it is hard. I I. know she struggles with that too. There's, yeah. there's days where, you know, I want to go out and do something. And for the most part, you know, she will be honest, but there's days where she'll go out and do something, even if she doesn't feel like it, just to yeah. please me, which I tell her, like, that makes me more mad when you do that. Like, <laughs> right. This, just tell me you don't feel good or tell me you don't want to go do this. Tell me you just want to sit in the PJs all day and, and do nothing. Right. Like you, you have to be honest, you know,
0: but she's, right.
2: she's a stubborn woman. So, you know, she. <laughs> right. I, I think she doesn't like, I think as a mom too, I think she doesn't want to like, let me down or disappoint me, which right. is far from what she would be doing.
0: But mm-hmm. in
2: her mind, I think that's what she would be doing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I think,
0: and and Dana, you could probably agree to this too. It's hard for us to believe or accept that you, meaning the other person who doesn't have MS, has accepted where we are. Right. Right. When we haven't even fully accepted it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, Becca, uh, there's so much. I guess so much advice or insight. But if you were to give your 12-year-old self, your 15-year-old self, your 18-year-old self, or someone that is in a similar situation as as you, some type of advice or insight or introspection, Um, what would you say to them um, in terms of dealing with MS and developing and maintaining intimacy because of this, this disease impact? That's a
2: big one. Um yeah. I guess again it goes back to the communication. You know, you you've gotta be honest and vulnerable with that that person who's dealing with the disease. Um you gotta be patient. There's gonna be mm. a lot of crappy bad days. There's gonna be a lot of good days. Um you gotta be patient. You have yeah. to understand that they're going through a lot but you also got to be patient with yourself. Like as caregivers, mm-hmm. we go through a lot as well. And I don't think people realize just, you know, how much we as caregivers go through and we have to allow ourselves to to process and deal with things just as much as the other person is. Um <laughs> And you got to take time for yourself too. Like caregiving is a full-time job. Like I have mm-hmm. a job that I go to work to every day. Mm-hmm. And then I come home and I'm a caregiver, you know, 24 seven, that doesn't, you know, I clock in and clock out for work, but I don't clock in and clock out for being a caregiver. That's, that doesn't stop, that's a 24 hour job. Just like being a parent, that's a 24 hour job. Right. So you need to take time for yourself, whether it's, you know, reading a book or listening to music, going for a walk, spending time with friends. Cause if you can't take care of yourself, you're not gonna be, you know, what are you gonna do for the person you're caring for? And that can be both physical, like I said, going for a walk, you know, enjoying a nice cup of coffee or, or, you know, mentally too, you know, whether it's meditation or, you know, going to a therapist or, you know, whatever that may be. But um, yeah, it's definitely important to take care of yourself and keep your needs, you know, just as much as their needs.
1: Right. You, you you raised a really um, important point um, just before. Um, You're experiencing these things with your loved one. And, you know, as I'm reflecting on that, you're grieving just as much as they are in a different way. Like, you know, you're grieving, you know, the changes that your relationship is going through. And and of course, like, grieving is not a bad thing. It's a natural thing, mm-hmm, yeah. but you're processing things as well. Every time, you know, if there's a relapse or worsening of symptom or whatever the case may be, that's grieving for the loved one as well. And I think that a lot of times people don't consider that.
2: Absolutely. Like there's, this disease is so unpredictable and it changes every day. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like you said, you, you are grieving and it's, it's hard to witness your, your loved ones go through that, especially because you can't do anything about it. Like I don't have a magic wand that I can just wave over her and it, it goes away. And right um yeah it's 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 challenging for sure
0: yeah yeah thank you so much for this this is heavy it is heavy yeah,
2: yeah. Is heavy, but i'm i'm glad that there's outlets like this and in a community like this where we all can talk about it and right be honest and vulnerable with each other and relate to each other that's another thing too about um being in either the caregiver community or chronic illness community, mm-hmm. like until you go through it yourself, you have no idea what that's like, you know, you can sit right. here and talk about, you know, X, Y, and Z disorder, but I can't relate to that because I haven't gone through it. I know what MS is like, because I'm in this world with her, right? So until you really go through it. I think it's hard for outsiders. to to really understand and comprehend, like, just what we're going through so it's nice to have outlets like these where it's like yeah we might have like different um symptoms or situations right. that we go through but at the end of the day like we still all know like what each other is going through yes. and just
1: feeling. exactly right. exactly yeah thank you so much Becca, thank you. For, for being involved in the community and for yeah for devoting your time to really obviously not only helping your mother and all of those wonderful things but really you know diving into ms as much as you can it's not a pretty thing but you know we gotta do what we gotta do sometimes
0: yeah and it's not easy to watch your your mom or someone that you love to go through it so yeah thank you thank you so much guys Hi, Courtney. Welcome back to another episode. You are, uh, you're like a hit. (laughs) Everybody loves you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm
3: excited to be back.
0: This is like a really interesting series that we've started. Um, Another intimacy series. I know people are probably rolling their eyes, but no, this is a good one. Mm -mm. (laughs) But we're talking more about how intimacy plays a role in your relationships with your, well, at first we were talking with partners or spouses, and then of course with um, family members, which is really, really important. And um, we all know since you have been on before that you and Dana are very close and um, MS has impacted your life in many, many ways because as Dana has shared both, She and your mother have multiple sclerosis. So I can only imagine how that has has affected you um, and your intimate relationship, uh, meaning your connection, your closeness. Um, So, can you talk a little bit about that? Just has it really, have you noticed an impact or any any kind of? Yeah,
3: definitely. So, I mean, as you had said, my relationship with MS goes back to with my mother, who was first diagnosed before Dana. And, you know, quite honestly, it's it's interesting, interesting actually, because Dana and I had a conversation just a few days ago about, like, how, um, like, my mother's MS had kind of affected me. And Dana, I know, is off a little bit on dates and, like, mm-hmm. when she was diagnosed. But even before she was diagnosed, you know, she'd be sick and... Um, one kind of um, like particular um, impact in my life was um, graduations. So I'm a little unclear because again, timing wise, I, I, my mom was not at my eighth grade graduation. She wasn't diagnosed at the time, but I believe she may have been sick with maybe something MS type symptoms, but she um, did not make it to my high school graduation because she was having an exacerbation. And then um, when I graduated college, you know, a whole other story, but I didn't go to my graduation and that would have been the one time that she was able to, um, nonetheless, though, it's like things like that, that I think about like milestones in my life where it has, you know, impacted me, um, you know, just not having my mom around, you know, with big events like that. And then of course, once Dana was di- diagnosed and that I actually learned of her diagnosis, mm-hmm. You know, prior to that, it had, you know, impacted me because I did notice that her mobility was changing and, you know, but I didn't know exactly what it was. So it definitely impacted the way, like, what we might be able to do, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, where we might be going out on a weekend or something like that, you know, out to a club, you know, back in those Mm -hmm. days or whatever. Like, maybe now, you know, we're just like going out to eat, but, you know, it's just different things. And you just like have to, adapt. So it's really the way that MS has like impacted me is it's really just been a matter of, you know, adapting ever since my mother was first diagnosed. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow. I like that. Adapting. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think that, you know, when we use the word adapt, we think about it in the context of somebody who is living with them, somebody who is actually you know, the person who has MS, like we've got to adapt by using, you know, mobility aids or doing things different or whatever. Um, But I don't think we really think about that term in the context of family members and other people Mm -hmm. whose loved ones are impacted by MS, because that's adaptation as well. It really is.
0: And, you know, like we've had discussions before, you're so busy thinking about yourself that Mm -hmm. you don't really, like take time to say oh yeah my sister or, or my brother or my mom they are trying to work with the changes as well not just right. when it's affecting them too
3: and it's a big deal yeah like you know going like going back to when you know Dana when you were first um well you know I don't probably after you were first diagnosed mm-hmm. but you know as you started to have like you know, different mobility symptoms Mm. years in. And prior to me knowing that it was MS, you know, it's still like, of course, those things are in mind. So like, you know, if we go to a restaurant, whatever, and like, we're kind of like walking in a little bit more slowly, or, you know, like, Mm. I am aware of those types of things, whatever, but like, it definitely, you know, or like thinking about like, well, what sort of activity might we do, or whatever, The, the knowing that, you know, MS will affect, you know, your ability of what you right. are comfortable doing or not, like, I'm going to be cognizant of that. So yeah, like, it's, yeah, once I've, yeah, ever since I have, you know, known of your diagnosis, and, and all of that, and have, like, seen your mobility changes, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, it's always like, in the top of my mind, now Where and back in the day, I I wouldn't have thought twice about if there's a, A ramp, or if there's just one additional step, that you know, all of those things now are very much in the, the you know forefront of my mind.
1: Mm Right, right.
0: How how has MS? You know, a lot of times in in this uh, season, we've also spoken about taking up space and, you know, just how uncomfortable MS is, honestly, and it really is too big of a, of a monster it takes up way too much space in my opinion, but how has it done that in your relationship with specifically with Dana? And then you can talk about with your mom. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I guess like overall, like the kind of overarching kind of like thing to me is I, I think about how much in the past I was like of being an ableist and feeding into like ableism and not, you know, being aware of different things. And not because I like, you know, didn't care. It just, I wasn't aware, you know, like I wasn't aware of the importance of different things. So when I think of MS taking up space, I think of how, like, my mind has shifted from being an ableist to being like totally aware of different circumstances, no matter like what it is in my life, like whether it's, you know, again, like, like me and Dana, if we're going to be going somewhere, I want to make sure that it's not a situation where, you know, it's not accessible, or even if it's accessible, that it's like modern accessibility. Right. And Dana, I'll give you an example. So remember, we went to um, a friend of yours, um, art show downtown in Milwaukee, uh-huh. uh, about a year and a half, well, you know, pre COVID. So a couple yeah. of years now, I guess. And um, it was accessible, which was great. in the fact that you can get down to that area, whatever. But when I say like modern, okay, so it's like this just like weird chair, like lift type thing. Right. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? And so again, like Bravo for being able to have the ability to like get into places like that, but it shouldn't have to be like a, like a, a spectacle or anything like that. And not even that it was like a huge spectacle, but it's like, we should be thinking about accessibility in ways that like, are, it's not just like an old fashioned thing, like this is something that everyone needs. And so every, you know, public place should be thinking about it, whether you're a new construction, or you're an old place, and how you can modernize that. Um, So, so I think about, you know, in that way, it's like, all, you know, every aspect of my life, it's affected. And I talked about this the last time that I was on. But you know, I've been house hunting forever. And that's like one of the things, though, is like, you know, making sure that when I do find the right house, like the things I'm looking for is that it's hopefully a ranch style house. But that it's, you know, even if it's not that, that there's enough spaces in my home that, you know, you'll be able to get around comfortably and that it is, you know, accessible for you even to get there. Like, I'm not going to buy a house that you're not going to be able to come and spend time with us. So, right. you know, different things like that, when MS takes up space in my life, it's literally like when I'm thinking about any interaction, whether it's with, you know, Dana or with my mom, I'm, you know, thinking in a way that it's going to, um, you know, um, impact them mm-hmm. in, a, in a positive way and not be like a, uh, a spectacle or distraction yes. or anything mm-hmm. like that.
1: Spectacle is a perfect word. and I talk about that all the time like I do I never want to be a spectacle like I don't want like to be the center of attention like you know Cordy you're talking I know exactly what you're talking about you know at Rosie's show and you know with that little lift thing and again and and like you said it wasn't like it was like some big like here's the main event like
3: (laughs) yeah it wasn't and like to to like give a a bit of quick description like it was like you know, like it was like a, an art show, they had hors d'oeuvres. And then it was like, an, they had like a, um, like a runway and all of that. And so it was like, kind of like the happy hour type, you know, time. Mm. And it and the lift um, was off, like in the corner. It's not like, okay, here's the grand entrance. And here's <laughs> this lift. But you know, but it's just like, you know, it's just not modern. Like, let's in a building, such as we was it the fister? Yeah, yeah. So you're that's a really nice hotel downtown in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. You should have modern elevators, period. You should have yeah. modern access ways, um, rail, uh, you know, ramps, all of that. It shouldn't be a, uh, you know, let, here's this, you know, old ratty red carpet type thing that you're gonna we're gonna lift you up and down on. It's just,
1: you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, right it was kind it was the kind of thing that like you might think that it would like <laughs> malfunction <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> right well, you got to get enclosed in the box and then okay then you press <laughs> the leopard down it's let me out in this box like yeah what's yeah, yeah. well, something happens like <laughs> oh, come on like
0: we can yeah. do better
3: we can do right. better
0: i i can say that i did see side note um and I don't even want to give them the credit because I'm kind of mad at them, but I had to go to Verizon a couple of weeks ago. And I, mm-hmm. at the front of the store, there was a huge door and it didn't, uh, you wouldn't have to like pull it with your hand. You just press mm-hmm. the button, of course. And then there was the the lift the um, for, you know, it, it was accessible completely for mm-hmm. people who had chairs and things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, it was, it was super modern. It didn't look like you know, you were going back to 1950s, and it was perfect, and I I think more places should get something like that, especially a nice hotel, like what you're
3: describing. Yeah, 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 Yeah. well, and just, like, and Dana, we talked about this before, but, like, like, ramps in general, for example, like, we always talk about the ramp at um, Iron Horse, Horse. yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, it's just like, it's just another walkway up there. It doesn't look extra. It doesn't look, it's just like very chic, whatever. Yeah. And that's what it should be. It shouldn't be like, here's the, you know, three steps to go up here. But if you can't make these, th- these three steps, here's this obnoxious, you know, you know, yeah. maze that you have to go up. Like, right, you, know, right. you know what I mean? Like we can do better. Right.
1: For, for Courtney, something. I'm thinking about um, Mamma Mia's. And you know it's what I'm talking so- about? Oh gosh!
3: So-, so, Mama Mia's was one of my first jobs. I was like <laughs> 14, 15 years old. I started off as a hostess. They have this one, and 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 by the way, Mama Mia's, <laughs> Dana worked there. Like our our whole yes. like little so- social circle. Everyone right. who was anyone in that grade in that time in the high school worked there. Where's but it? anyhow, um, they had a, a like this one step to get into the restaurant, but um, they didn't have any sort of ramp or anything like that for accessibility. So if someone had a wheelchair or needed a ramp, um, it was literally just this like metal, you know, little ramp thing that we would put out there. Like, you know, you have to have someone to come in and ask for it. It's not just there, it's yeah. just, you know, a whole process obnoxious. And it's like, well, okay, thank you for at least having something to let people in here. But, you know, as, as we start to, you know modernize our buildings and as we start right. to think about things we need to really like be um more aware of the way that we um, address accessibility.
1: Right. Absolutely. Because I mean do you really, you know, who wants to go in, oh, I need a ramp? You know, whatever. And the stupid little ramp, not to go all off about this little ramp, but like <laughs> if you didn't know how to place it correctly, that shit could like fall off the set. Like right. Not, you know, it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't right. safe. Right. Well, and,
3: and this was before Dana was diagnosed with yeah. MS. So, yeah, Dana, yeah. you have the same, like, understanding of this ramp as right. I did. You never yes. use it. But, right. yeah, I was like, you know, if you have a motorized, like, chair or something, somebody like has to back up and forth and, like, make sure it's on correctly. Like, that's <laughs> that's too much. It's you should be able to come to this restaurant, you know, roll right in and get to your table. Like, that's yeah. not make a scene. And it
0: should be yeah. ADA appropriate and approved. Yeah, You like, shouldn't just yeah. be like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, yeah, like, go get that ramp. Oh yeah, because somebody- Yeah, can- <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right,
3: <laughs> right. And then you have these, you know, 14, 15 year old hostesses that are putting this ramp out that they don't know what they're doing. They weren't no. trained. I'm just laying this out and hoping it works. Like that's, right. not, that's not the way oh. we do this. Gosh,
0: yeah. that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh, oh good this. <laughs> So it sounds like you have a lot of, I don't know, I don't want to say opinions, but a lot of advice or insight on what to discuss with somebody who is in your situation. You know what I mean? You have a sister, you have a mom and you want to maintain that level of closeness, if not get closer. Like what kind of advice or tips would you give someone or would you even give your former self um before you know like just learning about ms like what would you say to somebody about maintaining that relationship and and trying to make it stronger and you know flourish
2: yeah
3: well i think like the best way maybe to like think about this question would be like for people that might have someone in their family like newly diagnosed and they, you know, are trying to like navigate the space, like how do you support them? Like I would say number one, be patient. And um, you know, again, this is an unpredictable disease. We as temps have no, you know, full understanding of like how it affects, you know, those in our, you know, circle who have it. And so having patience and, and you know, um, not taking things personally, you know, that was a big thing for me. Like, again, mm-hmm. as I talked about in our original episode, you know, when I first recorded with you guys that I, you know, Dana did not disclose to me right away. And um, that, you know, I understand why now, like, that's not easy to say to anyone, especially with someone that you're so close with that, you know, that. That could potentially like change your relationship. So, you know, have patience. Um, you know, be understanding. Um, and you know, I, I would just say that don't take things personally, just understand that with time, um, people will let you in when they're comfortable. And that's whether it's with MS or any other, you know, circumstance that you're dealing with, but um you know, every week, this is a dynamic effed up, um, disease for anyone to have to deal with. So Mm -hmm. while us as the outside family members and friends are going through our own struggles, it's never going to amount to what the people that are actually dealing with it are going through. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've got to give, um, you know, the opportunity to feel how we feel about it, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, have some patience and understanding and just know that the struggle for everybody is, a long road. It's a journey. Yeah,
0: it's not a. It's a marathon, not a sprint. As they. That's
3: say. absolutely yeah. right. One hundred percent. Really good.
0: Thank you, Courtney. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com
0: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at myelin melanin.
1: Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.